Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Over the last few weeks, uh, we have been talking about how to hit the groove. Hit the groove. Where are my music people at? Come on. Okay, so where are the painters at? I don't know. <laughs> where, where are my music people at? Come on. There you go. All right, come on. Like, you put the jam on. Be honest. How many of y'all drive a little faster when your song comes on? You're like, well, I didn't even know. The officer's like, where were you going? I, I don't know. Why are you going so fast? My jam was on. They, I, I, the tiger just started playing. I don't know. Um, we, we believe that this series is foundational for spiritual growth. We've used the drum set as um, an illustration of rhythm in your life so that you can keep a groove. And the rhythm connects to the melody, which makes the song appealing. And so when we talk about it, we've actually have spent the last couple of weeks, and, and I'm, I'm actually going to talk about uh, something a little different uh, today. You can see that if you've been following what we've been doing, you can see that we've added the toms, uh, the ride, and a cymbal. And so the thing is, when we started talking about this, we used the bass drum as your faith. Hebrews tells us that without faith, it's impossible to, what, please God. Then the snare was your hope. And, and there's, there needs to be a cadence of hope in your life. Not kind of fluffy, whatever hope that culture talks about, but the hope that you are never going to be left, you're never going to be forsaken, God is always coming with you, and that needs to be a certain beat in your life because the truth of the matter is you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days, but you can always have hope. Then we talked about the hi-hat, which actually is the filter that releases different sounds, and it, it begins to merge with the basic beat, and we, we see that Corinthians talks about love. And that love is a filter that should filter all of our decisions. But, but then, even more so, uh, we believe that the tom, the ride, and the hi-hat is there is truth. Uh, there are principles. There is the awe of God. There is spiritual encounters. And I believe that when you put all of that together, the beat begins to lock in. And so I can actually link all of this together, and this is what we're going to talk about today, is we're going to talk about the fear of God. The fear of God. And we actually see that the fear of God begins to change the rhythm in your life. Psalms chapter 111 verse 10 says this. Look at this. The fear of God is the beginning. Everybody say Beginning. Of wisdom. How many want wisdom? All right, cool. How many want to be dumb? I mean, I don't know about you, but I want wisdom. Wisdom is different than knowledge. 
Knowledge, you study to know something. Wisdom means that in a moment that you've never been in, you still have the ability to logically assess it and be able to come out on a right end. Wisdom is actually better. It's applied knowledge to situations and moments that you've never been in. God says that I'm going to give you wisdom. Look at this. Look at this. To all those who... We're about to say a cuss word. Come on, in 2023, this is going to be a cuss word. I know it. What is that evil word that starts with a P? It says practice. Practice. In other words, we have substituted experience where there should be practice. And if you want wisdom, you have to practice the fear of God, come on, listen, in your own life. Come on, don't make me bust out what Allen Iverson said. Come on, listen, in the 90s, practice. Who needs practice? I don't know anybody that is going to be good or efficient in any area without practice. You can't play the drums without, come on, say it. You won't be good in your career field without I think one of the most uh, uh, exciting stories that I hear from people is when they begin to tell me that they went to college and now they're ready for the workforce. And what I would say is that you have the credentials to have an opportunity. But I can't tell you how many first-time teachers I meet that spend most of the first year crying. And I'm like, what are you crying? You have a degree. She, I have knowledge, come on somebody. But I've had to practice and learn to be the teacher that can manage, come on, hear what I'm saying. Practice to have good understanding. His praise endures forever. Can I ask you this, what do you practice? For the last couple of years, I've been practicing uh, what I Health. I've been practicing health. I'm like, no, I'm not going to take those french fries. I'm practicing healthy living. I practice um, working out. I practice uh, uh, speaking. I, I, I have things that I want to be good at, and I practice. So here's the deal. The Bible says that you have to practice the fear of the Lord in order to have understanding. And I think that we are now in a culture, listen, that has had a lot of people get saved and think that's all that they need, and that's why we have a culture that has no understanding even though they have salvation. I mean, think about it. And I'm not trying to be rude. And listen, I'm talking about the fear of the, God, fear of the Lord this week. I talked about love last week. So it, don't come to our church and hear one sermon and be like, oh, I get it. You, know, no, you don't get it. That, that's why you need to come 52 weeks out of the year in order to get it, but you can't get every theology and thought in one 35-minute sermon. You're going to have to come. That's why we never say, hey, give us one service. We believe that God can pivot and change your life in a service, but it, our goal is to disciple you, and that's going to take a long time. Okay. We have a world that does not have understanding. Just basic things. Like even farmers know 
got a ba- got a daddy goat and a mama goat, and you create baby goats. I mean, you don't have to live on a farm. I got a daddy dog, a mommy dog, and I got puppies. Some of y'all, I felt like you were going to be there with me. (laughs) And now, just this basic order is now people are actually arguing on the internet about this process. We have 30 or 40 years ago, everybody was like, trust doctors and science and PhDs, and and I thank God for all of that, so I'm not hating, but now we actually have people who are putting their degree and name on something. I'm like, how have you studied that much and you don't, mommy, daddy, baby, okay. And I'm not trying to be like ugly. I'm just like, we can actually grow up a culture that doesn't have any understanding and they're trying to do what's right. Come on, somebody in their own eyes. And they're trying to only pass laws and do things that go with their urges. And so the goal is to convince everybody to jump on, but we don't have wisdom and we don't have understanding and we have a lot of confusion in the church. And now there's all this infighting and nobody knows what, come on. If you're going to do it, let's do it. Come on, come on. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Look at this. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach to you. Who's talking? Moses. In other words, bro, I don't even have a choice on this. I got to say it like he said it. I have to speak this, that you may do them, what? That you may do them in the land in which you are going over to possess it. In other words, if you want to possess the land coming, this is what you have to do. You may fear the Lord your God, you, your sons, and your sons' sons, by keeping all, everybody say all, his statues and commandments, which I've given you all the days of your life that your days may be long. Well, pastor, (laughs) I know where you're going, buddy. That's old covenant. We're under the new covenant. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. I'm glad you said that. So the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. Come on, would you like to be in a church that has some peace? Everybody's not... Complaining about somebody else and comparing, rejecting, better than anybody else. Just peace. Come on. That's the church we got. And was being built up. In other words, it was growing. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. What I'm telling you is our church, your family, your relationships, your business, everything that you put your hand to will multiply if you walk in tandem with the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Fear of the Lord, comfort of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you don't want to just walk on your right foot. It's harder. 
there is a, a progression of fear of the Lord, comfort of the Holy Spirit. Fear of the Lord, comfort of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I want to submit to what God says. Probably not going to do it perfect, so I need God to kind of remind me, love me, help me, encourage me. I'm going to this, and I'm going to this. I'm going to this. Not comfort, comfort, comfort. <laughs> and some of us got the comfort hop on, or you're leg- you, you operate in legalist, and like if anybody even sees a smurf, you're like, going to hell. Going to hell, going straight there, buddy. Come on. My assignment today is the fear of the Lord. We need the fear of the Lord in our families, friendships, nations, world. That means we need to honor the Lord. There needs to be reverence. There needs to be a sheer awe of God. And sadly, we've reduced the Trinity to our hangout crew. What's up, homeboy? How you feeling? Jay Money? Holy Spirit got me like that. And in doing so, we've reduced the power and the authority and the holiness of God. We've put us as the central point of the story. And in doing so, we've created a me-centered gospel. I'm here to tell you that God is not our cosmic bellhop only wanting to serve you. It's about Him. It's about His story and His power and His glory, not your story. I am not saying that your story is not significant. I'm saying your story is about talking about what he's done, not the goodness and and the greatness that you've become. Come on, does that make sense? It's about him and what he's doing in my life. In other words, the verses that we just read said, come on, wisdom, understanding, and sincere praise can happen when you practice the fear of the Lord. I've... In some of our churches, there's a lack of sincerity. We got a lot of hard hearts. We got a lot, and I'm just telling you that if we're not careful, we will practice everything else. But God says that there's actually a reward and a blessing if you begin to practice the fear of God. God commanded Moses, which was the spiritual leader, to teach this. The groove will begin to sound right if it is laced with wisdom, understanding, and sincere praise. There's an old quote that says, when there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pew. What that means is, when you're sitting under leaders and pastors who are confused and I, 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 I don't want to offend anybody and I don't. I don't want to offend you. My goal is not to talk about things that totally frustrate you. But ultimately, I am not going to stand before you. And I fully understand that you can take your family, your tithe and whatever you want and go somewhere else. But ultimately, God asked us to build something. And I want you to like me. I, I'm, I'm not, mostly, I'm a nice guy. I want to like you. But at the end of the day, if my allegiance is to bucks and butts, then there will be a mist here, and there will be a fog here. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? Listen, 
God has standards and requirements, and he has work for us to do. I want to talk to everybody. If you are bored in church, bored in church, that's not an an indictment on where you go. That's an indictment on where you're at. Boredom is a sign that something is missing or something has grown cold. And I need you to understand because when you begin to fear the Lord and operate in wisdom, you have understanding on where your gifts can go, who you can help, what passion, what things can come out of you. In Northwest Arkansas, listen, you're not looking for me to find a position for you on where you can use your gift. There is stuff everywhere in the city. Single moms, battered people, people who need help, people who need this, people who. When you begin to get the fear of the Lord, then you're like, my life is not my own. And I want to do what God's called me to do. And all of a sudden, my eyes start opening up and I see things and I'm not just going to church. I'm being the church. You're not coming here for a lecture. You're getting a lesson that you need to go practice. We're running plays. You're coming to learn about the fear of the Lord and the church. Come on, listen. Listen, God has standards and power and promises and grace and mercy and a mission. And you got to know the Father. One of the things that would make my mom, ooh, if I wanted her blood pressure to go up, if I wanted her face to get red, Come on, if I wanted to aggravate her, I could walk around the house and go, ah, so bored. And so, and, and, and come on, I was a teenager that I wouldn't just sigh secretly in my room, but I would go right to where mom is and go, ah, and I would do it enough to where she would eventually ask the question, what's going on? I'm just bored. And it would frustrate her to no end because she was trying to create an owner, but I just wanted to be entertained. And so you will always be bored if you come to church wanting to be entertained. But God says that there is something in you that he wants to extract in your life. And he wants to give you ownership. And so if we... I obviously I want to be a good communicator. Obviously I want to be engaging. But if you think I'm paying for a song in it... da 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 you're going to be bored. After about 12 sermons, you're going to be like, I saw that dance move. doesn't really move me. <laughs> I've heard that example. wasn't really that. This ain't a comedy show. I do want to be funny. I want church to be life-giving. I believe the Holy Spirit is life-giving. I want to engage you. When you come here, I want, no matter how many times you hear, to walk away with one minute or 37 seconds of a, of, of a, of a thought that you're having to wrestle with the next week. And here's the deal. If we do that, a shift will begin to happen in our life. The goal for us isn't to make allowances that God wouldn't make is to make changes in our pursuits. 
We don't have time for gossip and complaining, tearing people down. We don't have time to fill our hearts, come on somebody, and our minds with demonic filth. We, we, don't, have, we don't have time. Come on, sleeping with someone that you're not even married to? I get it. Wall just went up. I'm not coming for you, and I'm not trying to... Uh, uh, I'm not trying to expose you. If we want to have a sin measuring class, I can throw all my stuff out and you'll be like, ugh. This isn't legalism. I, when I speak the word of God, you're getting to make a choice. A choice on who you're going to serve. Why did God want marriage in the, con- why did want God want sex in the context? text of marriage why did he want that he didn't want that so you would have no fun come on we got four kids baby (laughs) people all the time are like man you like you must like kids no I like my wife (laughs) sorry We're not trying to say, no, 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 don't be bad. That's not the, that's not, if you're, if you're getting that, then you're missing the heart behind what we're saying, and, and that speaks to maturity. There are some things that my kids, when they were young, did not understand. They thought mom and dad were being mean when we said they had to go to bed, but they didn't understand that tomorrow would be terrible if they didn't go to bed now. And so I know that you don't know what we're talking about now, but if you'll trust the process, then God will mature. Come on, help me. (laughs) Blessings flow from the Lord. When we practice his words. And we are all practicing something to excel. This shouldn't be optional. There is a generational blessing, the Bible says, on you, your son, and your son's son. Your daughter, and your daughter, 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 yeah, okay. And so here's the deal. God isn't giving you a suggestion. He's giving you an invitation. Fullness, long life, and legacy. And I don't know anybody that doesn't want to leave a legacy in their life. Come to those who fear the Lord and obey Him. I want to posture myself in the awe of God. Not just, not just because it's lip service. Come on, somebody. But, but I want it to be seen in the choices that I make. God isn't asking you to work for salvation. Hear what I'm saying. This is so important. But there will be work. There's a term called legalism. I want to talk about it. If you've never heard this word, legalism is the practice of doing good works and obeying the law to earn salvation. That is not what I'm talking about. I am talking about sanctification, which is the act of being free and purified from sin so that you can live a holy life so that God can bring good things into your life. Come on, somebody. There's a difference between the imputed righteousness and imparted righteousness. And a lot of people, when they got saved, they they didn't know a lot of theology. And so they were like, well, I got saved and I, I said the sinner's prayer. And you know what? It was awesome for about 12 hours. I felt so much passion for the Lord. And then all of a sudden I got tempted again. I got mad. The cat came over. I kicked it. I, I, I just got, oh, and I hate myself for it. I just hate myself. 
Maybe it didn't work. Maybe I'm not saved. Imputed righteousness is taken from Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, where Abraham believes in the Lord and it was reckoned to him as righteous. Our work of righteousness brings no value to God. Check out what the prophet Isaiah says. But we are all as an unclean thing. In all of our righteousness, it's filthy rags. And we all fade like a leaf in our iniquities, like the wind has taken us away. That's Isaiah 64, 6. Impute means, it's a verb that means to attribute, transfer, to place to the account of someone, to a credit. And here's why it's important. Accepting Jesus isn't just that he died for our sins. Listen to this. But that he lived a perfect life, obeyed the law of God, which is the reason that he can be the perfect sacrifice. And because he won, he has given that to us. If you miss that concept, your faith will always have challenge. Here's what that means. That how Jesus lived, died, and rose again has been imputed to us. What is true of Jesus is true of us. Jesus gave us a title and a position to, come on, listen, enter heaven. Everybody understand that? You're not under the law. Now let's talk about imparted. Imparted righteousness is where you get prepared for heaven. It's your character. It's the way you think. It's renewing your mind. There is more to your spiritual journey than just salvation. A change in our spiritual diet is key to, come on, to transformation. This means that what should change is your devotion, desires, and declarations. The fear of the Lord makes lasting changes in your life, and you're not done yet. Come on, somebody. You're not done. Now, when I say fear of the Lord, I'm not talking about terror, intimidation, horror. I'm not talking about God handling people with an abusive manner. He guides us. He corrects us. He loves us. But without a healthy understanding, listen, of the fear of God, we will try to create alternate routes in our relationship with him based on two things, what we think and what we want. And it doesn't work like that. Let's just do a real quick recap of Exodus. I want to help you. Maybe you've never seen this before. I encourage you to go read Exodus. But Exodus is a type and shadow of what Jesus does for us. And if you think about it, there's three major things that happen in Exodus. There is God redeeming his people. And I'm going to talk about it. Then God reveals himself to his people. Then God gives them a reward, which is the land of Canaan. These three processes still happen in your life. Okay? God's people were redeemed, which means they were saved. Come on, listen. From Pharaoh, from, from bondage, they were delivered. Come on, somebody. They, they, they could not get away from Pharaoh. They were under bondage, captivity. They did not get to make their own choices. Come on. And God redeemed them. 
And then God revealed himself to them and all the people. And so here was the thought, is that just because God had saved them from Egypt, they still thought like Egypt. Is it, have you ever asked yourself, why didn't God just take people immediately into the promised land? Because God knew I redeemed you because of my kindness. You were in bondage under Pharaoh. In fact, in, in um, Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, Moses tells Pharaoh, God has spoken, let my people go. In other words, I'm not asking you. I don't need you to have a board meeting. I don't need to get with your secretary. Let them go. No. Fine. At the end of this conflict, you will let them go. When we get saved, in the enemy, his tanglement, his grap on you, come on, the, the past, the trauma, the baggage, the, the things that you're coming out of, when you say, Lord, I give you my life, forgive me of my sins, be my Lord, the enemy cannot hold you. Come on, hear what I'm saying. We see Passover happening where they sacrifice a, a spotless lamb and apply it to the doorpost. The death angel passes over. And they see the judgment of God and the power of God in there at all. They walk through the water, and, and, and that is their baptism. Everybody goes through the water. And at the other end, Pharaoh is gone. This Red Sea has swallowed up the enemy, and now they are on the other side, saved. And many of us, that is the picture of our own salvation. You had a moment, you said yes to Jesus, you felt his moving, you said yes, you got baptized, and now, dang it, you still have all this stuff in you, because you've been trained. And here's the deal, God begins to reveal himself. Now that you're my people, I'm going to reveal myself. Exodus 20, verse 1, look at this. And God spoke these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. In other words, let, let me introduce myself. It's like, let, hey. Let me tell you who I am. Because I know you guys are going to start looking to Moses. I know you guys are going to start looking to each other. So let me drop the mic real quick and let me tell you who I am. I'm the one that got you out. I'm the one that saved you. Come on, somebody. I'm the one that had the power. I'm the one Pharaoh couldn't beat. I am. The, let me introduce myself to you. And some of you, you've gotten saved, and now it's a, a time for an introduction where God says, now let's talk. I've been chasing you for years. Your heart's been hard. You've been in bondage. You finally heard me knocking at the door of your heart and you gave in and all of that now is gone. And so now can we talk? God begins to tell them of the standards that he has for them. Put me first. Worship me only. Keep the Lord's name. Don't, 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 make, don't make my name common. Stay committed to the Sabbath. In other words, you, you, your continual step of faith, realizing that you don't have to work every day of your life, proves to me that you know that I'm your provider. The last six deal with man. First four deal with God. 
The first one, first one. This is why our culture should alarm you. It's because there's no honor in our culture. And when there is no honor, it opens the doorway to all of the other things. The very first one about dealing with man is honor your father and your mother. Not because they're right, not because they're perfect. And then out of that, honor your father and mother, do not murder do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie, don't want your neighbor's stuff. As soon as we break the sixth one, everything's on. They started learning about God. And, and why did God want them to do that? Because he knew if I got you into the promised land, you would, you would start acting like Egypt. You'd start building temples and you'd, you'd start doing, because you haven't been taught by me enough to think different than how you came. That's why it's very important for you to stay connected to church. There will be message that you hear over and over and over again. That's how it should be. There are messages that when you read the Bible, you don't read the Bible through one time. You read it continually. Why? Because it washes you every season, every year. You're somewhere else. And God begins to, because what's he doing? He's getting Egypt out, baby. He's getting Egypt out. There's a philosophy in this world, and he's getting that out. Come on. We're, we're trying to think like heaven. God began to reveal himself. He gave the Ten Commandments. He goes, here's my standards. Hey, he invited them. Hey, y'all come up on the mountain. They were like, no, 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 man, we don't want to go. They're like, fine, okay, I'll come to you. Ark of the Covenant, I'll, I'll, I'll be around you. I begin to, he began to reveal his holiness and uprightness. And God wants us to have character and humility. Can I tell you what you do matters? What do you put before your eyes? What do you give yourself to? What enters your heart? Here's the third one. Are we good? Here's the, here's the third one. Is a reward. The Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The blessing and the promised land, the place where the milk and honey, ho, um, uh, the milk and honey flows. We gotta be careful. Uh, come on, Canaan. Come on, you can be blessed with wisdom. You can be blessed by knowing the heart of God. You can begin, begin to bless. Be, be, like, like, and what, what was the blessing? Is that I am going to put you in a position where you can begin to multiply and be free and not come under the bondages of a wrong, come on, thought. Just like this drum set. And I wish I had time to play it and impress you, but I don't. We got to get into the groove of faith, hope, and love in the fear of God. Faith, hope, and love in the fear of God. And if we can do that, I believe that we will walk in tandem and you're going to see some incredible growth. And I just want you to know this. It took 40 years because every time Moses said, here's what God wants to do, the people, nah. No. And I know you're sitting in here and, and I know, I know the tension that you're going to battle by hearing something that you may not agree with. Because in our world, everything is political. We've made everything biblical political. So I'm going to offend somebody at some point in time. That's not my heart. But you're going to have to wrestle with this and go, is that Egypt? Or is that heaven? Is that Egypt? Or is that heaven? Did I learn that in a secular college? Or did I learn that 
by reading my Bible. Did I learn that because of where, the environments that I'm around and the friends that I have? Or did I learn that because God revealed himself? Come on, he, come on, hear me. So here's the practical. Ask yourself this. The next time you're about to go off, say something, act in a certain way, be crazy. Just ask yourself, does this honor God? Does this honor God? The way I want to act, what I want to watch, where I'm at, what I'm doing, does it honor God? Here's the second thing. Where do I need God to reveal His standards in my life? I may have gone off the path, and here's the deal. You are in a room full of people that have gone off the path, so there are no stones. I am not throwing stones at you. I am saying to you, Maybe there's a standard that you need that you need to accept. And here's the third thing. What mindsets have I allowed to stay that actually is more like Egypt than heaven? And here's the deal. If you really give your life to the Lord, He is going to come for every thought that you have. Every thought, every pride, every arrogance, every lust, every, he's going to come for everything. Because here's the deal, not because God wants to uncover you, but because God wants to see you blessed. He wants to see you free. He wants you to live free. Come on and fuel the purpose of God in your life. You guys stand up with me. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the House website. We hope you have a great week.